Translation by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada Ki. Life's desires should never be directed towards sense gratification. One should desire only a healthy life or self-preservation since a human being is meant for inquiry about the absolute truth. Nothing else should be the goal of one's works. The completely bewildered material civilization is wrongly directed towards the fulfillment of desires and sense gratification. In such civilization, in all the spheres of life, the ultimate end is sense gratification. In politics, social service, altruism, philanthropy, and ultimately in religion or even in salvation, the very same tint of sense gratification is ever increasingly uh, uh, predominant. In the political field, the leaders of men fight with one another to fulfill their personal sense gratification. The voters adore the so-called leaders only when they promise sense gratification. As soon as the voters are dissatisfied in their own sense gratification, they dethrone the leaders. The leaders must always disappoint the voters by not satisfying their senses. The same is applicable in all other fields. No one is serious about the problems of life. Even those who are on the path of salvation desire to become one with the Absolute Truth and desire to commit spiritual suicide for sense gratification. One should satisfy the senses only in so much as required for self-preservation and not for sense gratification. 
Because the body is made of senses which also require a certain amount of satisfaction. There are regulative directions for satisfaction of such senses. But the senses are not meant for unrestricted enjoyment. For example, marriage or the combination of a man with a woman is necessary for progeny, but it is not meant for sense enjoyment. In the absence of voluntary restraint, there is propaganda for family planning, but foolish men do not know that family planning is automatically executed as soon as there is search after the absolute truth. Seekers of the absolute truth are never allured by unnecessary engagements in sense gratification because the serious students seeking the absolute truth are always overwhelmed with the work of researching the truth. In every sphere of life, therefore, the ultimate end must be seeking after the absolute truth and that sort of engagement will make one happy because he will be less engaged in varieties of sense gratification and what that absolute truth is is explained as follows. The next verse describes the absolute truth. Vadanti tattva vidas tattva yajjana madhvayam brameti paramatmeti bhagavaniti sabdhyate. Learned transcendentalists who know the absolute truth call the non dual substance Brahman, Paramatma, or Bhagavan. So this was uh, uh, Canto 1, Chapter 2, Text 10 of the uh, Divinity and Divine Service. Spoken today, the 21st of January, 2008, in the uh, Iskan Temple in Moscow, a Dinamo area. In the presence of Dwayal Nitai Sachisuta. Presiding deities. Those, those nuts are not offered. 
We can use them for cooking for the Lord. So The Srimad Bhagavatam is known as the Amala Purana. The spotless Puran. And it doesn't compromise. The complaint that Narada Muni made to Vyasadev that all the Vedas compromise a little bit or a lot. So they <coughs> they give different it's not very clear what's actually the real thing we're supposed to do. But Srimad Bhagavatam is uh, purely transcendental. So here we're saying that the real goal of life should be to find the absolute truth. And shouldn't be just uh, the going after sense gratification. If sense gratification is the goal, then people just tend to run after gratifying their senses, whatever they want. Uh, this is the way they, they miss out on valuable time to research the absolute truth. Where this material world is like a prison house. Durga means uh, also prison. Or fortress. And uh, Durga Devi, Maya Devi is the uh, prison keeper. <laughs> if you behave nice in the prison, you get better facilities. But you're still forced to take uh, birth and death. The reincarnation. You're still forced to suffer and enjoy the things in the material world according to your karmas. When I was flying up here, there was a newspaper article that some famous actress was given a ticket twice for drunken driving in America. Actress. Drunken driving. She was driving. She was driving. She had a choice. Go to jail or go through a uh, rehabilitation program. So she took the program. 
she had to spend three days in jail just so that she would know what jail was like. Because if she did it again, she was certainly going to go to jail. She had to work, she had to, she had to help out in the emergency uh, clinic of the uh, hospital for a week or something. I don't remember one week or two weeks, but so. so that she could see what was the result of reckless driving and how people are coming in all injured and <laughs> then uh, she had to work in a morgue to see the dead bodies <laughs> so she knew what the ultimate result of drunken driving was It was a very interesting uh, <laughs> program. <laughs> With some time for our Gurukul, they need to go also like on a reality tour. <laughs> like a Buddha Dev, he saw a sick man. So what's that? His charioteer told him it's a sick man. How does that happen? It happens to everybody. Everybody gets sick. Sometimes the body is sick. I've never been sick. But you could be sick sometimes. That's horrible. I don't want to be sick. Then they're driving along. He saw an old man. Leaning <laughs> over, walking. What is that? That's an old man. Old age. What is old age? Everybody grows old. I mean, I'm not going to be like this all the time, young and healthy. No, you get old. That's horrible. I don't want to grow old. Then he saw a dead body going taken by. He said, what is that? It's a dead body. What do you mean, dead body? So everybody dies. They die. I'm going to die also. Everybody dies. 100% guarantee. This is uh, very bad. Then he's going and he saw a little baby. So what's that? He said, you see, after you die, then you take birth again. This is like insult upon injury. 
And I have to go through the whole thing again. So that time he was known as Siddhartha. He was a great prince. His father had given him all kinds of sense gratification. And he was told, never let him see you. Sick man, old man, dead man, or baby. Astrologer warned him, if he sees these, he'll change. So, he saw them. Then he decided he'll renounce everything and meditate and find out what is the absolute truth. How to get out of this cycle of birth, death, old age and disease. Said like that. Many great souls through that time they are looking for this uh, truth. In the Vedas this planet is known as uh, Bharat Varsha. Named after the great king Bharata. He also renounced everything. And he went to the forest to meditate. He's chanting mantras and meditating. The Prabhupada also said everyone's looking because this absolute truth also is absolute happiness. Everyone's looking for the spiritual happiness. The spiritual happiness is described by Rishabdev. Brahma Sokyam Tvanantam. Transcendental happiness which is unlimited. <coughs> Tvanantam. Ananta means unlimited. So there's uh, people are looking for their spiritual happiness, the wise people. And uh, who is that spiritual happiness? Who is a, who's a, there's a personality behind this spiritual happiness. No. You don't know. Radharani. Jai Sri Radhe Shyam
his Aladani Shakti, his spiritual blissful Shakti. Of course, she was in Krishna and Krishna separated her. But she's the transcendental happiness personified. So everyone's looking for this happiness. How many of you want to be happy? <laughs> wow. You too? <laughs> the highest happiness is the unlimited spiritual happiness. You see, Lord Chaitanya, he came with combined form of Radha and Krishna to give us this spiritual happiness. Shri Krishna Chaitanya Radha Krishna Nahi Anno Balaram Hailo Nitai. So, Lord Chaitanya is uh, combined Radha and Krishna. So he's also, but he's the mood of Radharani, so he's giving out his spiritual happiness very freely. You see, normally the Vedas is all four Purush Arthas or purposes. There's uh, Arto, Kamo, what's no, called Dharma, Arto, Kama, and Moksha. Religiosity. And then there's uh, economic development. Then there's sense gratification. And then finally there's liberation. So mostly people do religiosity in order to get economic development. And when they have money, they have economic development, then they want to enjoy sense gratification. And when they get frustrated in their sense gratification, they want to get liberation. You see, Lord Chaitanya gave the Pancham Purusharta, the fifth highest goal of life. Which is Krishna Prema. This is the highest form of liberation. But one doesn't annihilate their individuality. They engage their, their themselves in the service of Krishna and love. 
It's like Hanuman. He was he's a great devotee of Ram, another form of Krishna. Ram offered him liberation. You can merge with my light. With the jyoti. But Lord Hanuman, he said, no, no, I don't want that. You are my master, I am your servant. I don't want anything to come in the way of that. I want to serve you eternally. Hanumanji ki. So this is uh, the mood of the devotees. They always want to serve the Lord. Sometimes people, when they see the devotee is so enthusiastic to do devotional service, they get the materialistic people don't understand why you're doing that. Why do you want to be so religious? Because the idea to do a little religion, get some money, get some sense gratification and you see, they don't even think about transcendental happiness. Very rare to find someone who wants to get liberation. Or their ideas just before we die will be a little more spiritual and get liberated. The Lord Chaitanya showed that actually it's a highest spiritual happiness to be in Krishna consciousness. But it's a lifelong project. So they said we should orient ourselves that we can achieve it. So that means that everything we do, we analyze it from the Krishna conscious point of view. Will this be helpful for me? That means that uh, just like here Prabhupada mentions about having a, a spiritually oriented uh, family life. Normally people they may look, okay, let me marry someone who's rich or who's famous or who's very handsome to look at, very beautiful. But uh, they don't think that is this person spiritual. That should be a primary consideration. Will this person be helpful? Because, uh, can we work together in our Krishna consciousness, in our spiritual life? 
критерий, по большому счету, должен быть главным. Насколько этот человек поможет мне в духовной жизни? Maybe if you're fortunate to get someone who's rich, good-looking, and Krishna conscious. <laughs> But what's really important, though, is that the person should be able to be a companion in your spiritual life. Spiritual compatibility is an important aspect. Like in India, marriages are still mainly arranged. But sometimes the, the, the parents, they don't have this orientation, they don't think that what's spiritually good for my daughter. So, there's a astrologers in India that help you to find a suitable match. I saw one sign that says uh, marriage compatibility rupees 100. 100 rupees for marriage compatibility. <laughs> Then it says to make a compatibility 250 rupees. I mean, it's not compatible. But he has to think about how to make it look compatible. So for that you have to pay extra. So because I'm also a guru in India, I had a situation where there was a I had a, a disciple daughter, spiritual daughter, and but the material father, he found a match who was a, an engineer, seemed to have a good job. But he wasn't Krishna conscious. And even the horoscope showed they weren't compatible. But he said, no, but he's rich, that's more important. <laughs> so we'll just pay the astrologer, he'll make it work, you know. <laughs> They're not always thinking what's really good for their children. I mean, they may be thinking from their point of view. A rich husband is good, boss. I had another, uh, she's a niece of a high court judge. They arranged the marriage for her. And then the, the husband was a drunkard. Used to beat her up. So although divorce is very rare in India, she divorced him and went back to her her parents. 
So like this, so many. Then later she became uh, my disciple after this happened. So like this, so many. You see that people just uh, they just need to find someone who's materially compatible, but also spiritually compatible. So that they can practice their Krishna consciousness and as a family in a regulated way, and also be <coughs> do both the duties properly. So by, by this verse, it doesn't mean everyone should take sannyas because Prabhupada is talking about grihastha life in the verse and the purport. Like uh, now in the Middle East we have uh, all this Bhakti Viksha preaching going on. So some of the devotees are fairly well to do. They're making good money in the Middle East. Not everybody. Some people are laborers also. But now because they become Krishna conscious, they want to build a house in India. They build a house with a temple, with a kirtan hall. Hopefully when they go back to India, they'll uh, help to preach. I was just coming now from uh, Middle East. And they said, I'm a, one uh, aspiring disciple said, I'm able to chant my 16 rounds in the Middle East. Able to. But when they go to India, they find it hard. Because all the, the mothers, the aunties, everyone's pressing them with so many different things. Why do you want to be so religious, no, so important? A little bit, you go to temple, pray for 10 minutes and enjoy life. So that actually we want to realize Krishna, we want to get self-realization, we want to develop love of Godhead. This is something that they're not so used to. So it's a struggle for them. So if it's a, if it's a struggle for them, why does speak of uh, in Russia? Your parents probably don't understand anything what you're doing. So if they do 
И как это объяснить родственникам, которые вообще не все When I became a devotee, my father wrote to me and said, You're no longer my son. I renounce you. My mother didn't renounce me, but my father did. After eight years, then my father wrote to me and said, Okay, father, father, son, son. I, I'm, forgive me. <laughs> and he told his priest when he was dying that he was most proud about uh, his oldest son, me. I'm only, I'm only sharing this just that we have to be determined to follow what we believe to be correct. And eventually, hopefully, the family members will appreciate. So like that, this uh, this verse is very important actually. That we have to fo- we have to orient our life. That eventually we want to uh, get uh, understand what is the absolute truth. To be also uh, to be a spiritual doctor. To be able to help people spiritually. Along with whatever else we're doing. Everyone needs to do some kind of occupation to survive in the material world. In, uh, I was in a conference with uh, Gopal Krishna Maharaj in uh, Gujarat just before coming here. And there, one, uh, the person was giving a presentation how to do strategic planning for uh, managing ISKCON. But he put up one quote where <laughs> Prabhupada said that we're living in the material world, we need money. Being in the material world, uh, you had to have money to survive. Even the ISKCON needs money. Right? We want to build a temple. We want to distribute prasadam. We want to publish the books. So we need money. And the individuals, the families, and they also need money. To have a place to live. To have clothes. To have a family. 
To give something to Krishna. <laughs> so they can publish books, distribute for some. <laughs> 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 well, anyway, it was just interesting as Prabhupada they gave that quote that Prabhupada said that in the material world you need money. We're not we're not trying to deny that aspect of life. Prabhupada said we're also not against uh, science. Rather we use the technology in Krishna's service. Here on my table there's five tape recorders of different kinds using uh, electronical technology. We're using the loudspeaker. Some people are using video cameras. So like that, we also use uh, technology and for Krishna's service. Right. Recently, when I arrived in Australia, I had a fever. They took me to the hospital. And they said I had a cellulitis, an infection in the leg. They took all kinds of blood tests. So we have to, they were using technology to see what was the situation in my body. So various aspects we use technology. We fly here. We so we're not against technology. Just that that's not the goal of life. It's a tool we use. But goal of life, we should make ultimately goal is that we get become Krishna conscious. We have we understand the absolute truth. Side by side with our material survival. Our material desires that we may have. We try to dovetail those in Krishna's service, do things in such a way that they won't hamper our spiritual progress. Like that, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He uh, he was known as Nimai Pandit. And he had the most uh, famous uh, Sanskrit toll, which is like a Sanskrit academy, at the at the when he was just uh, a teenager. His uh, father passed away. Uh, 
So he went to Gaya to perform Pindi, a special ceremony for the deceased forefather. And there he met uh, Ishwar Puri Maharaj. Remember when he was younger, Ishwar Puri Maharaj had visited his home and his father had uh, had him as a guest for some days. So then he knew that he was a bona fide guru. So he asked that he can get initiated. How will I get across the ocean of birth and death if I don't have a bona fide guru? But Ishwar Puri said, no, you're a very learned scholar, you're a child prodigy, what I can do for you. So no, this is all external, but you're a spiritual master, you know the absolute truth. I need to get the mantra from you. If you don't give me, then I don't know what's the use of my living. Where will I find a bona fide guru now? So, Ishwarapuri didn't want to be the cause of him doing something rash, like taking his life. So I gave him initiation. He got the mantras. And uh, so like this uh, Lord Chaitanya he became very ecstatic. He was chanting and dancing. He was so happy to be initiated. Then he saw that many people were watching. Who is this guy jumping and dancing and chanting? And then he felt a little shy. He was looking at him. So then he went to do the pindi. So one part was to offer Abhishek to the lotus feet of Vishnu there. In Gaya, there's many different holy places. There's a Bodh Gaya. And there's Vishnu Gaya. So Bodh Gaya is where Buddha got his realization. Vishnu Gaya is where people perform this uh, Pindi for the there's also many other Gaias that are all in that area. 
many holy temples and So Lord Chaitanya was he was uh, first uh, he offered Abhishek to this uh, Vishnu Gaya to the Vishnu Pada, the lotus foot of Vishnu. Actually, we took the safari there a few years ago. We were going up the Ganges. We took a little detour because from the Ganges it's 110 kilometers. So we went and uh, when we were there, they gave all the devotees a footprint. Uh, they put they put uh, oil on the lotus footprint and put some cloth on it and gave, had it made an impression. They gave every devotee one cloth impression of Vishnu Pad. Then I got a silver impression. And he came out with a book and showed that previously Prabhupada had gone there. Prabhupada written in the book. I think I was with Prabhupada that time too. So they treated us very nice. We were also offering uh, Tulsi at the Lotus Feet of Vishnu. So when Lord Chaitanya was offering this milk and honey and ghee and doing Abhishek, he started feeling very ecstatic and crying in love of Krishna. And they offered uh, some plate of boga to the Lord. And then they offered that prasadam to his forefather. His says that if uh, one of the names for a son is Putra and for a daughter is Putri. Because if uh, by performing this kind of ceremony, you can deliver your forefather from the from hell. Pu means hell. Tra means uh, to deliver. Three means uh, same thing, to deliver but feminine. So like that. So if the devotee goes back to Godhead, then 14 generations of his uh, seven descendants and seven forefathers, they all get delivered. You'd like to do something for your parents, 
get back to Godhead and I get a free ticket. <laughs> pay back any debts you owe to them. So like that. Then Lord Chaitanya, he was feeling so much ecstatic there that he decided he wanted to go to Vrindavan right away. Vrindavan Vihari Lava Bhagavan Sri Krishna Ki. I'm going to Vrindavan. I'm going to Vrindavan. And he ran across the Falgu River. Was heading to the other side. And then there was a voice from the sky. The Goranga. Now it's not the time to go to Vrindavan. He had to go back to Mayapur Dam and start the Sankirtan movement. Later you can go to Vrindavan. So the directors of his Leela was reminding him, not yet, let, wait, hold on. You're going off the script here. So then Lord Chaitanya, when he got back to uh, Navadip, now he was telling his students about spiritual life, about uh, Krishna. So they're wondering why that changed. Why now suddenly you're telling us about Krishna before you just told us about Sanskrit? So he, he told them, he brought them to the side of the Ganges. Said, you see, when I went to Gaya, I got initiated. And I realized that Krishna is the absolute truth. And so, now that I realize that the Samam Bonam, the Supreme Truth is Krishna, how can I give you just ordinary education and leave out Krishna? So now I had to educate you also with education about Krishna. But if you don't want to stay as my student, then I'll give you permission to leave me. Then the lead student stood up. And he said that, listen, you've always given us the best of education. Our Sanskrit Academy is the most famous, it's the best in Navadip Dham. And 
Now if you realize that Krishna is absolute, we still want to follow you. You didn't teach us this before, so detailed. So now you teach us, we'll want to follow. You told us about, you know, now you're talking about this Harinam Sankirtan, but before, I mean, you never taught us, we don't know how to do it. So if you want us to do that, then you better bring someone to teach us how, how it's done. And all the all the students cheered and said, Yeah, we're with you. Goranga! Gorahari! Namai Pandit Ki! So they brought some devotees and taught the students how to do kirtan. So like that there was the Sankirtan movement began. He had a thousand of students. So right from the very beginning Lord Chaitanya had a lot of youths as part of his movement. You have a lot of energy. So like that, very energetic movement. Happy to see here. Many youths, not all are youths, but all are young in heart. So like this, we should orient ourselves that we can achieve God realization. I have a time's all okay. I have a disciple who's a doctor and she works in Australia. And uh, the other people in the hospital ask her, why are you always happy? I mean, you never see anybody always happy, but you're always happy. Why is that? <laughs> What's your secret? <laughs> so people, they don't realize. Because when Bhagavad Gita tells us when we go after things in the mode of passion, at first we get happiness and afterwards we get frustration. When we do things in a higher perspective, with a Krishna conscious perspective, we can always be happy. Krishna, 
So thank you very much for your patience and attention. Hare Krishna. Any question? Krishna Das Kaviraj Das. After many years, Lord Chaitanya was uh, in an ecstasy. And he was chanting the names of the gopis. How they are such great devotees of Krishna. And some students came up and started to chastise. And Lord Chaitanya got uh, sh- short-tempered with them. Though. Why are you interrupting my ecstasy? What do you know about all these things? Whether they were exactly his, his uh, students or other students, it doesn't clearly say. But uh, the students got angry that why he is chastising us. Who does he think he is? And so then he saw that because uh, the nature of the people is to be familiarity breeds contempt that they're going to commit offenses to me it'll be bad for their spiritual life. So he decided that he takes sannyas. Because everyone would respect the sannyasi. Lord Chaitanya was very young actually. Uh, uh, maybe at that time still only 24 he said I won't be able to preach uh, being so young unless I'm a sannyasi then they'll respect me as a sannyasi so he took sannyas at age of 24 so there's an external cause of the students. This is also predicted in the Vedas that he would come and 
24 years he'll be a householder and 24 years he'll be a sannyasi. Yes, sir. You raise your hand. Somehow, it's very popularly shown as Advaita with the hair and the beard. And uh, the Bhakti Siddhanta Saritakur mentions that this became the popular appearance because he's an elderly person, but that actually he was shaved up. Well, that's uh, one verse in Chaitanya Bhagavat. So somehow uh, Prabhupada a couple of times wrote to artists and said that Advaita is older, he has a beard. I raised this issue and brought it up to the SAC, the, uh, the Scriptural Advisory Council. So they, but they, they said that since Prabhupada gave a direct order, we'll follow that instead. 
So I want to uh, peel that. The Prabhupada also said that he does everything to please his spiritual master. So if his spiritual master said like that, then obviously he'd want to do it that way. Haven't found a time to write up my appeal. It has to be done very scholarly. But uh, anyway, it just seems seem like that you can he's elderly, he's he's fifty years older than Lord Chaitanya. So that's what they want to remind us. So that means it's like a symbol, not like a group photo. <laughs> for, for me, that's what it's like. How much time we go for questions? How many people want to ha- see me when we have the darshan? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Not so many. Ten, eleven. Three more. Three more questions. We know in Vrindavan that the uh, that uh, Vrinda Devi she organized the pastimes. And she has uh, her little she has hundred thousand uh, parrots that fly around and keep her informed of what's going on. And so they every day they plan out the uh, pastime for the day. <laughs> but exactly who's that whether Sri Vrinda Devi is also doing that or another form of Vrinda Devi and Chaitanya Leela I don't want to speculate I don't know who I don't know exactly uh, someone's doing it must be some incarnation of Vrinda Devi 
касается аспектов But I haven't read anywhere that this one is the one who's doing it. So we're not allowed to speculate. We only have to say what we know from the scriptures. In Vrindavan we know it's Vrindadevi. So... Has anyone read? Anyone seen who does it in uh, Navadweep? Mm-hmm. Had to research it. Maybe it's in the uh, Gorgana Dipika. You mentioned different categories of kids who come to the families, uh, pious and uh, some kids who come uh, to us uh, due to being enemies in our previous life or to whom we dealt with. Can you please tell in details? Расскажите, пожалуйста, про разных детей, которые приходят в семью благочестивые, или которые были врагами в нашей прошлой жизни, или должники, те, кому мы были должны, которые пришли теперь за долгами. В общем, расскажите подробнее об этом. Последний вопрос ему отдам. Поэтому, если у вас у кого-то есть вопрос, готовьте. In the Padma Purana, there's a pastime about uh, a Brahmin who didn't have any children. And his wife told him that there's five kinds of children. So we shouldn't lament because maybe, you don't know, every, every child isn't always uh, favorable. И она говорит, не нужно скорбеть, потому что никогда не знаешь, что в твоей жизни, что в жизнь принесет ребенок. So, и вот она описывает там пять видов потомства. Negative, neutral, и она говорит, что есть три типа потомков, которые приносят беды. Один не так, не сяк, есть и ладно. И только один из них, который приносит удачу. One is from, one is uh, considered uh, a bad karma. For some kind of bad karma, you have a child that's very complicated. One is uh, due to uh, is uh, a debtor. Uh, бывает, что в нашу семью приходит тот, кому мы задолжали в прошлой жизни. From a previous life you owed somebody money. И так или иначе вы кому-то должны были деньги, но не отдали до того, как этот человек представился. You never paid them back. Вот, то есть вы не расплатили с ним. So somehow they get to become your child. И чтобы получить свое, такой человек рождается вашим ребенком. But so they're always trying to take from the parents. That way they're getting paid back for what they were owed in the previous Then there's a, there's an enemy child. 
someone who was an enemy from the previous life and they want to take birth just to cause you trouble. Then the fourth kind is a neutral kind. Those are the three negative. It's called Udasin. Indifferent. They're not for you, they're not against you. They're disinterested in spiritual life. I mean in your family life. Then the fifth kind is very auspicious. That's called Suputra or Suputri. Someone who's a very good son or daughter. They work for the benefit of the parents. Well wisher the parents. And uh, they can deliver the parents even from a hellish condition. They're religious children. <laughs> Those five kinds were mentioned in the Padma Purana. Okay. The first lady I see what is spiritual compatibility between husband and wife and what grade of that The both want to be Krishna conscious would be a spiritual compatibility. That they work together. I mean, sometimes the spouse is not very active in Krishna consciousness, but they also don't object. They are like You do it, it's okay, I don't... That's supportive, supportive, but... Then, of course, then the, someone who is active, they're chanting, they're helping you with the deity worship, they work together, try to have a Krishna conscious child, do Garbodan Samskara, do whole everything. Like that. There's different. I don't. This not script. I mean, I don't know how many different kinds there are, but you know, you can imagine there's different kinds. There's also people that they object, they don't want the wife uh, to be Krishna conscious. But uh, the wife can be like the wives of the Kaliya, the Nagapatnis, and pray for the husband to be Krishna conscious. 
то есть жен змея Кали, которые просто за своего мужа слишком просили. Так что если уж случилось так, что семья уже имеется, то приходится работать с тем, кто имеешь. И пытаться из того, что есть, каким-то образом организовать сознание Кришны. Кстати, у женщин есть особая сила. Потому что так или иначе они готовят, и поэтому они могут там по секрету Кришне делиться тем, что готовят, а потом уже подкармливать просадом. Я знаю, например, людей, которые очень нехорошо к сознанию Кришны относились, но каким-то образом под влиянием своих жен это поменялось. Sometimes husband and wife are from different sampradayas, so they're both spiritual, but if they criticize each other's sampradaya, then it becomes uh, another type of problem. This there should be some mutual respect. То есть нужно научиться хотя бы так нейтрально уважать интересы I've seen dozens of different kinds of uh, situations. То есть я так или иначе сталкивался с uh, очень многими ситуациями вот такого рода. So it's something that may not come in the astrological chart. It's something you have to see whether we're spiritually com- what what your desire. Someone may be more enthusiastic for spiritual life than the other, and how they're going to accommodate that. There was uh, one uh, family in uh, Chennai. South India. And father was the husband was a businessman. He'd go traveling to Hong Kong, Tokyo, different places. He drank, smoked. More or less, everything except he was a faithful husband. And he didn't mind that his wife was Krishna conscious. He used to drive her to the temple. He'd sit outside in a car and smoke. Sometimes he'd walk in and see the deity. Just he wasn't against anything, but he just was in Maya. And then uh, they used to on turns in his uh, bhakti, in her bhakti viksha group, sometime once in a month or so, uh, she would have to host the bhakti viksha members. 
была частью Бхактивриджи. И вот как Бхактивриджи водится, встречи проводятся по очереди в чистом томате. Вот где-то раз в месяц выпадало так, что у них дома должна была быть Бхактивриджи. So he tried to be a good cooperative husband and he helped her to serve the guests. One senior devotee was visiting, giving a class that day. So then he asked him, is it okay to take coffee and tea? Oh, no, no, this intoxication, not good. So then he thought, well, I better not ask him about whiskey because uh, coffee and tea is not... <laughs> But then somehow in that association with the Bhakti Viksha group, he changed his heart and he decided to practice Krishna consciousness. So he came and he, uh, he confessed all these things to me. So now I'm vegetarian, no intoxication, I chant eight rounds. I'm trying to get up to 16. In the future, I want to take initiation from you. I was saved by your Bhakti Riksha program. So, спасибо. So nice to come here in the winter and see all you nice, warm devotees. Вообще так здорово, приезжаешь сюда холодной зимой, а тут столько теплых улыбок и теплых людей, такие вот замечательные преданные. Я все, когда приехал, снега не было, я так переживал, ну как же так, вот ехал на зимнюю расстоятельство, а снега нет. Snow, uh, not storm, but like uh, snow. Snow would come. Вот, а потом пошел я на сайт синоптиков посмотреть прогноз погоды, там говорят, воскресенье снег будет. And so the night before it snowed. Вот, я приехал, снега нет, а утром просыпаюсь и снег. So we had a white rakhyatra. Так что рахиатра на белом покрывале состоялась. So it seems that we have some prasadam here. Those who are not allergic to prasadam make two lines, one man, one woman. I got it, I got it, I got it.